a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Hi, I'm here in studio today with Oscar Francis. Oscar wrote, wrote a piece in the critic entitled I Went to a Men's Rights Summit and they tried to recruit me and this he describes the gruelling true story of a day spent with Dunedin's men's rights activists. Today we're going to dive further into that story. Oscar, thank you for being here. Hey there, Anawa. Good to be <laughs> Um, so let's just dive right into it. For the listeners, what is an MRA? An MRA is a men's rights activist. Um, so they believe that, you know, um, since the advent of feminism, men don't really have enough rights and therefore they need some kind of identity movement to rally around and get their rights back. It's what they believe. Right. Interesting. So... They are at the moment trying to establish a base in Dunedin, is that correct? That was one of the things that came up in the summit. That was one of their goals. Mm. One of the things they were trying to set up. Um, more in terms of a space where men can go and kind of, you know, do blokey things. Like There's a couple of men sheds around, um, so that sort of stuff, and also in terms of a men's centre where men can go for kind of mental health support, um, that sort of stuff. Right. And this was a workshop that you had to pay $80 to attend, right? Yeah, the New Zealand Men's Summit, which was based um, this time in Dunedin and next time it's in Hamilton. Um, it was a long ordeal. It was like billed for nine hours. I stayed for eight and a half I was lucky to get a student price, lucky, um, air quotes there, uh, got a student price, but otherwise it would have been uh, considerably more expensive. Um, out of curiosity, how much did you have to pay in the end? 20 bucks. And did the credit cover that? Because Yeah, they did. Okay, I was cool. pleased about that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Looking after you. I would have you. gone otherwise. <laughs> no. Um... Speaking of, I I feel as though it takes a special kind of person to put themselves through what you described as self-inflicted psychic trauma um, and attending an all-day event. I mean, that's, that's a long time to spend with any group of people. What drove you to do it in the first place? Um, kind of just a curiosity um, and a bit of boredom. I kind of wanted to... I guess poke into the dark corners of our society like they have quite a poor reputation for themselves um, as listeners may or may not be aware um, that kind of often in a lot of online spaces MRAs are seen as um, something of a joke something of um, you know potentially dangerous individuals um, to some members of society yeah um, indeed did at any point you did you ever feel like you were in danger at, at that I felt uncomfortable <laughs> for a lot of the day but um, in terms of being in physical danger like no not really but I mean you know um, obviously they kind of saw me as a potential recruit so I think that kind of weighed, weighed the scales in my favour, where there's somebody else who kind of disagrees with a lot of their ideas, um, 
or their perceptions kind of might have had a very different experience in that space. Mm. Right. Um, did the event shape your worldview at all? Like, did you leave with a different, <laughs> you know, outlook at all? <laughs> yeah, it's a really good question. Like, um, it's, I think it's hard to, like, sit in that room for, like, eight hours and be, like, completely unaffected by it. Um, you know, I guess I have more appreciation for some of the nuances of what they're trying to rally around and get across, but I also still kind of think fundamentally they're a bit misguided mm. um, in their aims and um, how they go about things. Yeah. What what was it that, if if it could be described as, like, what attracted you what what was even remotely attractive about about what kind of themes they were trying to convey like what areas were you like okay there are obviously like a lot of people doing like really important work um and by talking about this stuff i really don't want to diminish like the hard work a lot of you know the speakers and the organizers have put into um you know awareness around men's like mental health um you know, and stuff around, um, like, often suicide awareness in communities and, like, connecting men to other men so they can talk through those issues and also survivors of men as victims of sexual abuse. All that work is really important. Mm. Um, you know, I'm younger, so the stuff around the family court, like, to me, I don't know much about it. It seems like there's obviously some problems there. Um, you know, one of the female speakers at the event talked about that in great depth. Um, so that was interesting and there were two women there right? yeah so Sinead who's um, reporter at Critic came with me and left about halfway through um, and also Susanna Kruger who was uh, a speaker at the event and she was talking about her experiences in the family court mm. yeah and that was that was a reoccurring theme in the room was that a lot of the men were divorced or battling with the family court or had battled and felt like they had been treated unfairly including including the other woman there Sinead how did how do you think that kind of tied into well why they were there do you think um I think there's a lot of feelings of kind of anger and dislocation like um Kind of the sense I got was that a lot of the attendees there, they didn't really feel very integrated into any sort of community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons there was this enthusiasm for creating, like, a mean space. Right. Yeah, that makes that, sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's, like, relationships that they have, like, you know, work, like, intimate relationships and, like, family and stuff. A lot of them just seemed really kind of unrooted um, mm. from all that kind of stuff and I think that can manifest itself in like the more extreme perspectives that I saw at the summit. Mm -hmm. This is The Gist, we're back with Oscar Francis talking about the MRAs. Oscar, hello. Hey, um, <laughs> so what was the 
general theme do do the MRAs share an overarching belief set and if so what would that belief set be I guess the overarching belief set between the attendees and the speakers at the New Zealand Men's Summit would be they all seem to believe that men are persecuted or at some kind of disadvantage in the modern world right was there much division in the room? Were there speakers that were more moderate and speakers that were less? Or Absolutely. There was a huge divide. It was a really big Overton's window, so kind of a lot of people, well, there weren't a lot of people. There were like only 15, 17 people <laughs> the whole day. Uh, <laughs> but there were some people who were like into equality and felt like you know there needed to be a men's rights movement to achieve that and kind of in that sense saw themselves as aligned with people campaigning for like LGBTQ rights or women's rights um, and there were others who were kind of either almost let's say like outright conspiratorial or um, you know very against feminism um, to the point where I felt like it kind of distorted um, the clarity of their message that they were trying to get across about men's health and well-being. Yeah. Um, when you say conspiratorial, w what kind of conspiracies are we talking about here? Um, just kind of the very strange. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of kind of, um, you know, strange fears about uh, stuff like communism, uh, queer identity, um, you know, LGBT rights and women's rights um, seem to be kind of all things that these people were really scared of and they get kind of swept up into these kind of big Breitbart-esque conspiracy theories so there's kind of a bit of like an Infowars dynamic going on in the room. Right, yeah. okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so Hans Levin is kind of like one of the front men in the movement and he's from the Ministry of Men's Affairs but he's also a clinical psychologist like Jordan Peterson who they actually played a video of in the room, right? It was a long video. <laughs> God. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> do you think that the fact that he... I mean, they're both psychologists and they're both to some extent seen as credible in some circles. How do you think that kind of ties in? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's entirely t correct to characterise Hans as a leader in the movement, but I'd say his perspective is definitely influential because of his credentials as a clinical psychologist and a practising one um, mm. that gives him a lot more, I guess, um, his views are seen as well-respected and yeah. kind of give credibility to the movement. Um, so when it's him saying that feminism is directly responsible for the really high levels of male suicide that we see, it becomes quite disconcerting because I think that's an opinion that isn't really backed up by empirical data or science. Mm. No, but I feel as though psychology you know, they talk about pseudoscience and psychology has a long history of, of getting things wrong, like any kind of discipline, really. Um, so they have a really strong focus on empiricism, um, and I think, you know, that's great, but also sometimes the ways in which that is directed can kind of not 
taken to affect the larger social context. So it kind of, by ignoring like structural inequalities and stuff, kind of I found that mm. the arguments that these speakers were presenting were kind of quite diminished and quite, you know, unconvincing. Mm-hmm. Would you say the focus was more on, you know, structural inequality that, that you know, is on they're on the wrong side of structural inequality or is it more about the individual there was a bit of that kind of talking about um like the ministry of men's affairs is a really good example because they feel like men are structurally disadvantaged because there's no ministry of men's affairs but at the same time they're kind of missing the long history of structural inequality that has led to the Ministry of Women's Affairs being implemented as a process to alleviate those inequalities that are deep-rooted and historical. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this sort of moving on from the credibility factor of one of their men being a psychologist, which is basically in every single one of his profiles online, psychologist, psychologist, clinical psychologist, um, their movement as a whole is not categorised as official. They maybe have aims to become politicised and to become more recognised. But do you think that the kind of unofficial status affects the movement? Just mm. in the sense that a lot of their content is just in blogs or, you know, threads or, mm. you know, just small groups, I guess. Yeah, um, I think. I think maybe that represents like a generational thing um just kind of you know they're moving with this old format of like you know uh they were talking about the leaders there were talking about setting up like a wee mra political party um and i don't know how well that's going to get off the ground because i don't think it's a movement that has widespread support Mm. no (laughs) no i guess not um do you think they'd benefit from more moderation? Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like it's probably important that there are some men's spaces there so that kind of the less moderate, you know, individuals kind of do have a space to connect with other people. I guess the only, you know, the risk is that, you know, we have the really extreme people leading these spaces and kind of Trojan horsing in lots of kind of negative ideas about what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. Hi everyone, we're back uh, with our discussion of MRAs. So, final question, Oscar. What does... There was a lot of discussion of free speech in the room. What does that mean in MRA terms? Yeah, the free speech thing was like a real, uh, you know, sticking point for a lot of people. A lot of people were really into that idea of freedom of speech. Um which is all very well and good. I think we should all have, like, freedom of expression, right? But sometimes I think um, they didn't particularly seem interested in interrogating that notion of what forms of speech are more privileged than others. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for instance, um, one guy was talking about how we need to have the ability to question everything, including religions, um, including Islam, um, which was kind of an uncomfortable conversation for me to be having. Um, Obviously, the wake of Christchurch. Um, But kind of the way in which, you know, some categories of people are treated in the media. Um, You know, a lot of 
kind of, uh, you know, um, the ways in which structural uh, inequalities in the media kind of persist despite, you know, individual cases kind of being foregrounded, mm. and then that tends to impact some groups more than others, and I don't think they really got that. Right. Okay, that was a terrible explanation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get you. Um, Oscar, I wish we could talk more, but unfortunately we have to wrap up. Thank you so much for being here and speaking with me. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.